Okay, Groeschel, headset on. Get your mind settled. We're talking about unstoppable courage, and you're scared to death. How's that? Come on, pull it together. Don't be afraid. You can do this. Get your Bible. Find your verse. It's always embarrassing if you can't find your verse. There it is. Okay, let's do it. Don't be nervous. Hope they like me. Hope they like my jokes. Sometimes they don't laugh at my jokes. I don't get it. Maybe they don't have a good sense of humor. I think they're funny. Don't be afraid. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a power of love of a... Uh-oh. Check your zipper. Remember that one time? Yeah, don't think about that now. It's not funny. Okay, don't be nervous. One, you can do this. You can do this. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Focus. The path to your greatest potential is often straight through your greatest fear. Believe it. The path to your greatest potential is often straight through your greatest fear. Taking notes today, I'd like you to write this down. The path to your greatest potential is often straight through your greatest fear. The path to your greatest potential is often straight through your greatest fear. Today, I want to talk to you about unstoppable courage. My name is Craig Rochelle, and I'm the pastor of LifeChurch.tv, and it's my honor to welcome you, your pastor, and your church. And I want to tell you thank you so much for your kingdom mindset of partnering with literally thousands of churches around the world. We are so honored to partner with you in this unifying movement that God is calling One Prayer. Here's what I'd like for you to do today. I want you to think about what is your greatest fear. I'm not talking about like fear of losing your kids or something like that, but your personal fear. What is it that, that, that you fear more than anything else? For some of you, you might say, I fear failure. I'm, I'm so afraid to try because if I fail, I'll feel so insecure. Others of you, you might say, well, I fear conflict. I don't want anybody to push back on me, or I fear rejection, or I, I feel like I'll never be good enough. I'll never measure up. No matter how hard I try, I don't feel like I'll ever be good enough. Quite honestly, for me, that's perhaps my greatest internal fear. For my whole life, I can remember feeling very insecure. No matter how hard I try, I wonder, will it be good enough? Will I ever measure up? Do I have what it takes, especially when it comes to ministry? As odd as it may sound, you may say, well, you've been in ministry for a long time. I'm still plagued with such self-doubts. In fact, I was very young when I started into ministry, 22, going on 23 or so, and I served under a tremendous man of God, a great senior pastor who was an awesome mentor, and he threw me into what we called the pulpit to preach when I was very, very young. At, at the time, we were a part of a very traditional, historic church, and so we wore these robes, which were great because they covered everything. If you ever had your zipper down, baby, you were covered <laughs> with a robe, and so uh, it was my first time to preach, and, and he said, you're going to be on. I had the robe, and I was out greeting people as they were coming in, and there was this older lady 
who got out of her car and was really struggling to kind of get there, and she was walking rather slowly, and she came up to the, these huge steps that led up to the front doors of the church, and so I came as quickly as I could and said, ma'am, can I help you up the steps? And she said, oh, thank you. I'm so excited to hear the sermon today. And we went up step after step, and I took her up and was helping her. And she said, I just love our pastor. He's so good. I said, oh, he's so good. He's, he's one of the best I know. And I said, but actually, he's not preaching today. And we were getting up. She said, well, young man, who is preaching today? I said, well, as a matter of fact, I am. She stopped, and she said, young man, would you take me back down to my car because I'm going home? <laughs> and that's exactly what we did. I took her back down. She went home. I'm like, God bless you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I hope nothing happens to you on your way home. And it, it just, th that just totally messed with my mind. I already felt insecure. I'm, I'm not good enough. Am I really going to be able to make a difference? But we have to understand that the path to our greatest potential is often straight through our greatest fear. 2 Timothy 1.7 says this, if you have your Bibles or your notes and want to say it aloud, the Bible says, for God has not given us what? He has not given us a, say it again, God has not given us a what? He's not given us a spirit of fear, but of what? But of power and of love and of a God has not given us a spirit of fear. Our spiritual enemy is trying to talk you out of God's plan by telling you you'll never measure up. You can't do it. If you try, you'll fail. God has not given us a spirit of fear. The path to your greatest potential is often through your greatest fear. I believe that God wants to give you unstoppable courage. We're going to look today in 2 Samuel uh, chapter 23 about a guy by the name of Benaiah. Now, you may say, I think I know who that is, or you may not have ever heard of Benaiah. He's a guy that if you're not paying careful attention when you're reading through the Bible, you can read right by his very interesting story. In fact, if you're taking notes, let me just give you some facts about this guy named Benaiah. He, he was one of the top five soldiers in Israel. He was one of King David's mighty men. This, if you think about this, imagine one of the top five of all the soldiers in Israel. We're talking UFC, hard-hitting, strength, courage, and valor. He was also, if you're taking notes, he was a general in the Israeli army. And let me tell you what that me meant. That meant that every third month, he would have full command over 24,000 troops. This guy was a leader. He was feared, and he was called to protect the country. He was also the captain of King David's bodyguards. And so we're talking about a guy who was feared, revered. He was the best of the best. He was brave and courageous in every way. Here's just a glimpse of his story, 2 Samuel 23, verse 20. The Bible says this, Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, who was also a priest, the Bible says Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, was a valiant fighter from Kabzeel who performed great exploits. What were some of the exploits? Well, the Bible says he struck down two of Moab's best men. He also went down into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. I love this part. And he struck down a huge Egyptian 
Although the Egyptian had a spear in his hand, Benaiah went against him with a club. This guy's got a huge spear. Benaiah comes in with a little club. The Bible says he snatched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and he killed him with his own spear. That is cocky. That is courageous. Now, there's a little verse that I just read over that is so easy to miss if you're not paying very careful attention. And I want to look at this verse again, verse 20, the end of the verse. It says this. It's speaking of Benaiah. It says, He also went down into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. It's so easy to read right past this. This unstoppable, courageous warrior went down into a pit. It doesn't say he was attacked by the lion. It doesn't say he was trying to protect some innocent three-year-old girl. He followed this lion into a pit on a snowy day. This is before Nike high tops. We've got grippers on your shoes. He's probably wearing moccasins. He's going down and he is following a lion. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not big on cats, okay? I really don't like cats. Dogs are Christians. Cats are not. You don't believe me? Just let a cat rub up against your legs, stick its tail up in the air, showing your bottom as he walks by. That is not a Christian thing to do. Okay? A lion is nothing but a really, really big cat. Can crush your skull with a single bite. Uh, Where I live, we've got lots of wild animals. We kind of live out in the woods. I actually saw a mountain lion one time. Nobody believes me, but someone got a picture of it. I'm telling you, if I'm lying, I'm dying. There was a mountain lion. There, I also saw a bobcat, scariest thing I've ever seen. A, a, a little bitty thing, I mean, this big, is like, like a demonic cat muscle with sharp teeth. It's just the scariest thing. I saw this little guy, and when I saw him, he froze, I froze, he ran the other way, and I ran my way. I, I, I literally ran from my house as fast as I could, then I had daydreams. I was being chased by this little demonic cat wanting to eat me alive. So here we've got a guy who goes after a lion, follows him into a cave, and kills him. Crazy courage. Uh, my good friend is a pastor. His name is Mark Batterson. He actually wrote a book on this story. It's called In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day. And what he says is that people with real faith chase lions. I like that. Our spiritual enemy, Satan, roars around like a lion, seeking someone to devour. People with unstoppable courage chase after lions. They do not let their fears stop them from doing what God calls them to do. Normal people do not do that. Normal people do not chase lions. Normal people rarely live by faith. Normal people always have excuses of why they can't do this or that. Normal people rarely ever face their fears. Normal people live with regrets because normal people don't chase lions. Here's what I'd like to ask you to do as you're thinking about your greatest fear, your greatest fears. Ask yourself, how do they impact your daily living? What is the lion that you need to chase? What is it that God is calling you to do to to push through your greatest fears so you you can do God's divine assignment and live in such a way to bring him glory? Now, I'm not talking about uh, going down to the zoo and hopping the fence and finding a big, big cat going, here, Mufasa. You know, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about what is it that God has called you to do that you're not doing? Some of you, there there is a ministry inside of you, and you know it. 
There is a divine burden that is so big that you just can't stand it. There is this, this divine anger that you're like, why doesn't someone and how come it isn't and why is it this way? And it's, it's boiling up within you and there is some fear keeping you from chasing that dream. Others of you, you, you've got this idea for a business, and, and you're, you're in a place where you, you, you're, you don't like it, and you're dissatisfied, and, and you've got this idea, but you've been unwilling to attack it. Some of you, it could be something like there's an addiction, and, and you, need to, you need to face your fear of going public and saying, I really am, I'm, a, I'm addicted, and, and, and chase that line and go and, and, and check yourself into rehab so you can overcome this thing that is stopping you. Some of you, there's a, a part of the world, you've got a heart for this part of the world, and God is calling you to lead a mission experience, to take people there, to, to, to transform those you take and those you serve, and yet there's all these excuses as to why you haven't done it yet. Uh, maybe some of you, you've got a, a book that's in you, and you know it. You're, you're pregnant with a book with this idea, and yet there's excuse after excuse after excuse as to why you don't try this. Maybe God is calling you to volunteer your talents at the church. Or what's, what lion do you need to chase? What's your fear? Some of you, God is calling you to serve in the two-year-old room, and you're scared to death of the two-year-olds, and you should be because they can be dangerous. The path to your greatest potential is often through your greatest fear. What I want to do today is I want to just show you just very simply two very important qualities of those that have unstoppable courage. Think about it. In light of what lion you need to chase. What is God calling you to do that your fear has paralyzed you from pursuing? Two thoughts that I pray would inspire and encourage you to serve with passion. The first thing, if you're taking notes, is this. People with unstoppable courage, they know that the bigger their God is, the smaller the lions become. The bigger their God is, the smaller the lions become. The, the big challenge today is too many people are, are looking at the lions when they should be looking at God. They're looking at what they're afraid of and, and, it's, and, and their fears are growing and growing and growing instead of looking at the one who can overcome all lions and, and fear. Give giving an example, when I started into ministry, I, I told you I was 22 or 23, and I was called into a downtown church, just a great church, that quite honestly didn't have a whole lot of young people, like none. And so they said, Craig, your job is to go attract the young people. And so I had this idea to start a Friday night, full-blown service to reach out to people in their 20s who are not yet married and such. And so I came up with all these ideas. And interestingly enough, I wasn't doing a very good job. Uh, people weren't coming to my other events. And so the leadership of the church started to say, Craig, we're, we're not really sure you're the right person. And when I came up with this idea, I, I can't tell you how many different excuses the people would make uh, of why it's not going to work. They said, you're too young. You, you haven't been to excuse me, seminary yet. You haven't been to seminary yet. Uh, you, you know, nobody's going to come on a Friday night. Uh, there's no money behind it. And they listed reason after reason after reason after reason why this thing wasn't going to work. And it was discouraging me. And, and, and there was this vision that God had given me, and yet I was, I was afraid to pursue it because of all the different reasons why people said it wouldn't work. Many of you right now, you've probably got something like that. There's, there's, a, there's a burden God has put in your heart, and yet everyone's told you why this isn't going to work, and over and over again. So finally what I did is just I had this idea. I took a, a big yellow pad, and I went down with a big pen, and I wrote reasons why 
Single truth, that's what we called it, single truth. We're going to reach single people with the truth. Jesus is a single truth. Cutting edge title back in 1989. Okay. You see what I'm saying? Single truth. Okay. And so the reason why single truth won't work, and I went through the list. You're too young, haven't been to seminary, don't know enough, nobody's interested, doesn't have any money. And then at the bottom of it, reason why it will work, G-O-D. God, and I put that sign right by the one single door exit where everyone at church had to walk out. And on that Sunday morning, person after person went up and saw the yellow note, and they read it, and they read it, and they read it, and all of a sudden, something shifted, and the church started to believe in this. And I did get reprimanded on Monday because that was a rebellious thing to do. Do not do that, young student pastors. But anyway, and the church shifted to this idea of God can do this, and we believe it. And when we stop looking at the excuses but start look, looking at the source of all, all of a sudden what seemed impossible with man was possible with God. The lion chasers, people with unstoppable courage, they don't look at the lions they look at their God. In fact, a great example of this is Daniel, who also had a very scary day with a lion. Uh, the Bible shows the encounter in Daniel chapter 6, verse 20 through 22, when the king came and asked him this after Daniel faced the lion. The Bible says, when King Darius came near to the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice. He was concerned for him. He said, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your wife, everybody said, has Say, say it again. All of our one prayer churches all over the world has whom has your God, whom you continually serve, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, O king, live forever. Not your God, but who did he say? He said, my God sent his angel and shut the mouth of the lions. What's interesting to me is that, that King Darius was asking about your God. In other words, I don't know what's he capable of doing. What can your God do? The big challenge today is there are so many people who believe in God, but when they think of God, he's someone else's God and not their own God. It's an impersonal someone else. So can, what can your God do? But when it shifts from what can your God do to here's who my God is and here's what my God can do, everything changes. Let me ask you this. How big is your God? How big is he? Is he big enough to shut the mouths of the lions? Because my God is. Let me tell you about my God. My God is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. My God is ever-present, all-knowing, and all-powerful. With my God, all things are possible. My God is the God who spoke and hung the, the planets in, in the galaxy by his very words. My God spoke and created every living thing on earth and said it is good. My God is the God who parted the Red Sea. My God is the God who could feed people from, with manna from heaven. My God is the God who can send water from a rock. Let me tell you about my God. I don't know how big your God is, but my God is a big God. My, my God is a, a God who if he wants to do anything, he can because he is all-powerful. My God opens up blind eyes. My God can heal deaf ears. My, my God can raise the dead. That's how big 
my God is. My God is a God who is so good that when mankind was separated from him by our sinfulness, my God is so full of love that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, born of a virgin. That's how big my God is. And Jesus lived the perfect and sinless life and he shed innocent blood for our guilty sin. He died and my God raised him from the dead. My God says that the tomb is empty, the stone has been rolled away, and we serve a risen Savior. That's how good my God is. Let me tell you what my God did for me. My God saved me did. He took the most angry, bitter, rebellious, selfish guy. And when I just asked him if he was real, he showed himself to me. And I knelt down in a softball field. <laughs> One guy, and I stood up a different guy different forever, forever changed, new creation. The old is gone, behold the new is here, transformed, forgiven, healed, delivered from addictions, a new heart, a new vision, a new passion, a new calling. That's who my God is. Let me tell you who my God is. When I'm overwhelmed, he is my peace. When I am weak, he is my strength. When I am hurting, he is my comfort. When I am lost, he is my way. When I am thirsty, he is my living water. When I am alone, he is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He, his power is real. He is living inside of me. That's who my God is. My God said there is no mountain too big that if you have faith like a mustard seed, he cannot remove that mountain. And that's who my, how big is your God? How big is your God? If you know my God, you won't let any lion say a meow talk you out of what your God says you can do. My God is a good God. When, when you have unstoppable courage, you don't look at the lions. You look at God who says all things are possible. Uh, people with unstoppable courage, they, they know that their God is bigger than the lions. The second thing if you're taking notes is that they, they understand that playing it safe is risky. They understand that playing it safe is risky. Hebrews 11:6 says, and with, without what? Everybody, all of our one prayer churches, help me out. And without what? Without faith, it is what? It is impossible to please God. What you have to understand is that the goal of faith is not the elimination of risk. There is no such thing as risk-free faith. One of the tragedies today, I believe, of so many churches is that, that we want to eliminate risk. In fact, if I would ask most of you, what are your goals for five years from now? What would you like life to be like five years from now? Most people would say whatever it is, but their plans would include the elimination of risk and the increase of security. When in reality, when you're living by faith, the risk increases and our man-made security decreases. 
And yet most of us as Christians, we're pursuing the exact opposite of what God wants us to have. Real faith, you can see it. You, you, you can feel it because you go against what people think and you do what God thinks. Uh, for me, when, when God called us to start this church, I, I told you I felt insecure, not good enough, and I've always felt that way. W- what does starting a church do? It increased the risk and it decreased the security. What's going to happen? God called me to chase that lion, and I am, I am more blown away to know that because God gave me the courage to chase that lion, there are churches around the world uniting right now. Imagine if I didn't chase that lion. Imagine if David didn't chase that giant. Imagine if Jesus had walked away from the cross. Courage, courage. God is gonna call some of you to increase your risk and decrease your security and live by faith. Here's the amazing thing about one prayer. Check this out, I want you all to know this. Your church is in one prayer. Here's what you're a part of. There have been about 3,000 churches in the last couple of years gather together and give crazy offerings and to make a difference to plant churches around the world. I want you to feel this. I want you to feel this. Because of you, because of what God is doing, there have been over 1,600 new churches planted in India, Cambodia, China, and Sudan because there are some crazy unstoppable people like you believing that all things are possible with God. What would happen if the church came together? What if we were united? What if we dropped denominational differences? And what if we were united around Christ? What if we believed we were one body? What if we believed that our God is so big that we could actually stand together and make a difference together? What if, what if, what if, what if? Chase the lion. Satan roars around. Run him out. Some of you, God has given you a vision and you have all the reasons why this isn't going to and we couldn't and it might not and and you're going to be afraid. Let me guarantee you, Benaiah he was afraid. He was afraid when he faced the Egyptian. He was afraid when he chased the lion. That's the way we are. If that's you right now, feel the fear and do it anyway. Do it anyway. Take the step forward. Feel the fear and look at your God who says all things are possible with God. Those words that went through my mind, the little thought, you know, you're not good enough. I got to tell you, Those are not very far from the things I feel every day. And here's what I do. I feel so insecure. Before I teach, every time, here's what I do. Every time, and this is so special to me, I stand before and then I simply do this. I take a step forward. And what I'm doing is I'm saying I'm stepping out of Craig Rochelle and I'm stepping into the authority and the power and the position of Christ. I'm stepping out of myself, into him. I, let me tell you what I'm doing. I'm stepping through my fear. 